We are uh, continuing a series tonight called Living 3D. And essentially what we're talking about is we're talking about kind of three layers of, of things that we want to see around here, things that we want to do as a ministry. Uh, last week we talked about what it means to be devoted to Jesus. This week we're going to be talking about what it means to be dedicated to one another. And then next week we're going to talk about what it means to be driven to reach people. So when you think about, when, it, when you hear dedicated to one another, what, what does that mean to you? Or what do you, what do you hear or what do you think that means when you hear dedicated to one another? Just that phrase. What do you hear? Nobody knows what dedicated to one another means. Yes, Olivia. Loyal to each other? I like that. Yeah, loyal. Okay, what else? What does it mean to be dedicated to one another? Nothing? Okay. Yeah? Huh? Advocate. Advocate. Yeah. Good work. Being there for each other? Good job. Okay. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a commitment to others. It's a commitment to other people. It's, it's I, th- I think when we, here, okay, I think when we talk about following Jesus, a lot of times what we do is we think about following Jesus and we kind of isolate it um, to just me and my Bible. We isolate it to me, myself, and my Bible, or me and church, or maybe me and my family, but, but we, we don't necessarily see or understand or, or think about how our relationship with Jesus, how our faith is supposed to influence our relationships with other people, how it's supposed to influence our friendships, how it's supposed to make, our way, make its way into um, how we see family, how we see friendships, how we see, um, you know, relationships with a significant other, if you're, if you're dating or you're, you're doing that or you're thinking about that or, or marriage or any, any of our interactions that we have with other people, our, our view of teachers, our view of um, bosses if we're working, our view of coworkers, our view, but, but most of all, most of all, it affects, it affects all of these areas, but it, it also affects the way that you interact with the church and see the church and see the body of Christ and the body of believers that, that not just gather in a building once a week, but then also are involved in one another's lives throughout the week at you know, touch and go points, whether it's at school or, or maybe at home if you hang out with somebody who's a Christian outside of here or whatever. But, but our relationships with others as it relates to our faith is vital. It's vital. It's absolutely essential. And one of the, one of the interesting things about um, my own personal experience with um, the church and with, with the faith is I've actually had the opportunity, and if you are involved with um, relationships with other people in the body of Christ, you, you have this unique opportunity to see God at work in the lives of people, but then also sometimes even benefiting from or, or, or being served by others in a way that's supernatural. And what I mean is, is this. When I, when, I be, when I came to faith, um, my, my driver's license was suspended. And shortly after uh, I came to faith, I was, I was able to get my license back, but I didn't have any money to get a car. And somebody from Crosspoint gave me a car. And that was an expression for them of what it meant to be devoted or devoted to Jesus and allowing their devotion to Jesus to influence how they interact with other people. They ended up being awesome and giving me a car. And this sacrificial generosity, they they, I didn't pay anything for it. They just gave it to me. And it wasn't like this janky, like, beater car. It was a very, very, it was a very nice car. It was an amazing car. It had, like, leather seats and, like, 
digital temperature. I could set the temperature of my car. It just didn't have like cold or hot. It was like, oh, 72 degrees. I can set my car to 72 degrees and it will happen. It was amazing. It was a really great car to have and it worked and everything like that. But, but not only that, somebody else gave me a place to stay. And in that way, I experienced somebody's dedication to others through giving me a, like a place to stay. I, I didn't have anywhere to go. And somebody moved me in with their family. I lived in their basement for months, and they kind of helped me get on my feet because I, I needed that help. But then I also had other friends who, as an expression of their dedication to others in, in the body, what they ended up doing was they, 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 didn't just, like, they didn't just hang out with me, but they allowed me to reach out to them at times when it was super inconvenient. I remember going over to a friend's house uh, specifically you know, at like 1 in the morning just to vent about issues and, and for them to give me counsel from the Bible when I was 18 years old, helping me walk through life and understand what was going on in my life and, and how Jesus was kind of intersecting with the things I was struggling with. And so this, my relationship with this person ended up growing and, and, and this person played such an, an, an important role in my life when it came to helping me grow in the faith. And it was because of their dedication to others. Out of their relationship with Jesus, they were, they were compelled to serve others, and they, they, they serve me in that way. But then, you know, another person that I've seen this modeled in time and time again is, is my wife, Sarah. She has just consistently served me without complaint. Sometimes she complains like we all do, right? But, but she has consistently, joyfully served me, offered to do things for me, prayed for me, walked with me, and, and, and you know, cared for me, didn't hold my mistakes against me, didn't judge me or condemn me, but helped me and walked with me and treated me well because of her dedication to others. We, we experience people who are committed to Jesus, and, and they're different, right? They're different. Have you ever had an interaction with somebody who is, like, deeply committed to Jesus? Now, I'm not talking about, like, your normal person that goes to church. Not, not thinking of that person, but, like, somebody who's just, like, super weird, right? Like, even among church people, this person is super weird. They have an a interesting love for God that impacts their lives in ways that just you don't see all the time. And they, they're just incredibly generous people. They give their lives. They spend their lives on behalf of others. They're, they're incredible people. There's always a few crazies when you're in a church, right? A few crazy people who genuinely love the Lord and you see it at work in their lives day in, day out. They're faithfully devoted to Jesus, but that devotion influences their dedication to others. I actually believe and am deeply convicted that the Bible actually calls us all to be like that person. That the weird person, the one who's like completely sold out for the Lord, is actually not the weird person. They're the person who's reading their Bible for themselves, seeing what Scripture calls them to, and then actually doing it. And I believe that Scripture calls us to do that. You see, like a lot of us, we, we, we do this. We have tunnel vision when it comes to our faith. We're, we're only concerned about me and how I'm going to grow and how I'm going to you know, read the Bible or how I'm going to pray or how I'm going to get closer to God. Or we come to something like this and we're like, man, what am I going to get out of it? And, and, and those things are okay. It's, it's good to come to something like this and think, man, Lord, what do you have for me here? What do you have for me here? Because the reality is, is if you're here and God has called you here, then God has something to say to you and he wants you to listen. That's why Jesus, when he taught over and over again, he said, if anybody has ears, let him, ears, let him hear. What he's saying is anyone who wants what I have to say, listen closely because God has something for you. And so it's okay for you to come and to say, I want something out of this. 
But another layer to your commitment to something like this or to the church is, well, how can I give to this? How can I contribute to another person's faith walk tonight? How can I encourage somebody in the faith? How can I help somebody in the faith? How can I walk with somebody in the faith? How can I, you know, keep my eyes up, keep my radar up, and if, um, <clears throat> if I'm seeing somebody who looks discouraged or alone while I'm at Hype tonight, how can I encourage that person? How can I come close to them? How can I make them not feel alone? How can I make them feel welcome? How can I be dedicated to this person? You know, this is why we're doing small groups is because, because we, we want to see and we want to benefit from um, this idea of being dedicated to each other. And we believe that that can happen well in a small group setting where you're, you're deeply connected and deeply committed to others in the body. And so small groups are a place for that to grow. So here's the deal. If you want to get involved in the lives of other believers, I would encourage you to get involved in a small group on Wednesday nights. I would encourage you to think about that, to go in deeper, to dig deeper, and to really consider and think through what it looks like for you um, to not just grow in your faith, but to grow in your faith with other people because that's vital. It's extremely important. <clears throat> what we're going to see tonight in this passage is that living your life for Christ is, is spending your life on the progress of the gospel through a steady commitment to his people. We, we spend our lives to see the gospel, to see the good news of Jesus make progress, right? To move forward into the lives of other people. But then when we do this, when we, when we see the gospel move forward into the lives of others, we're, we're not just doing it for the gospel. We're doing it through a steady commitment to others, a steady service to others, a steady contribution to other people. We want to help other people grow in the faith, and we want to do this by being committed to them. And we see Paul do this in Philippians chapter 1. We see him deeply committed to the church. And Paul's actually writing this letter. He's, he's in prison, and he's chained, most likely between two different guards. He's, he's sitting probably in a dirty, filthy, nasty prison, probably on the ground, not on a, on a bed or anything like that. It's nothing like modern prisons. Actually, in prisons in Paul's time, um, the jail didn't feed you. The only way that you would eat is if people from the outside brought you a meal. And so the only way Paul probably could have eaten while he was in prison is if friends of his people in the church were dedicated to him enough to bring him a meal while he was in jail, to go outside of their normal schedule, of their normal day, work, whatever, and take him a meal so that he could eat while he's in prison. And Paul's writing this letter to the Philippians, probably chained between two guards, in a very uncomfortable position, and he says this in verse 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if I'm going to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor to me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So what we see in this passage, we see um, many things, but I think the first thing that we see is Paul's desire. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What in the world does that mean? Raise your hand if you ever heard that, that verse or that passage before. I'm just curious. It's a pretty popular verse. We hear it a lot. It kind of gets thrown around. What does it mean for him to live is Christ, to die is gain? What does that mean? Well, the one thing I think that's interesting about that passage, he says death is gain. Death is an advantage to him. He gains something out of death. And 
Um, if, if you've been around church world at all, any portion of your life, many of you may believe, you know, if you, if you, if you do good enough or if you, if, you, if you behave well, if you kind of have a good life and you live a good life, that, that you'll die and, and one day you'll go to heaven and God will kind of let you in because, you know, you, you were good. You've, you've, you've been a pretty good person and, and um, things in life have kind of worked out for you and um, you weren't bad all the time and you, you said sorry when you needed to. And so because of those things, God will let you into heaven. You will never see any of that in the Bible. What you see in the Bible is that there's nothing that a person can do to earn their way into heaven. There's nothing that a person can do to, to earn favor with God, to earn their relationship with God, to earn a right standing with God. That only happens by trusting and embracing Jesus and all that he is. And then when we do that, we begin to follow Jesus with all that we have and a deep commitment to him. And we talked about that last week. But then that influences the way that we treat other people, as we see here in Philippians 1. You see, for Paul, living is Christ. And what he means is every moment of my life, every moment, I'm going to use, I'm going to leverage for Jesus. Everything. There's not a section of my life that's going to be pushed away from Christ. Everything I do, everything I do, if I'm alive, it is to Christ. If I'm going to live, it's going to live for Christ. That's why he says, if I'm going to live in the flesh, which is what he's basically saying, if I'm going to live physically, because he's never going to stop living, he's going to experience eternal life, but if I'm going to live here now in this physical world right now, it's fruitful labor to me. It's fruitful labor to me. And what, what he means is, I'm going to do work that is beneficial for God's kingdom. I'm going to, I'm going to do work that has a dramatic effect on God's kingdom and God's people. Because if I'm going to be alive, I'm going to have my focus on the work that God calls me to do. And that, that work is, it's difficult work. It's not easy work. Paul's writing this in prison because he's in prison for his faith. So obviously, like, the work is not easy if Paul's getting locked up for it. But if he's getting locked up for it and he's continuing to write about Jesus, then you can see how, how worth it this work is to him. Dying is gain to Paul, and that, that just goes to show you that even if this work, even as this, if this hard work takes him to death, he's going to do everything he can to get as much Jesus into the world as possible. Because the work isn't just difficult, it's beneficial. This work causes people's eternity to change. It causes people's lives to be reborn. You see, the hard work of being dedicated to others is worth it because we have an opportunity in our dedication to other people to see dead people come to life. The Bible describes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says that, that before anyone knows Christ, they are dead in their sin. They're dead in their, in their rebellion against God. That's what sin is. Sin is rebellion. It's not just a mistake. It's rebellion. It's it's. it's turning away from how God has designed and wired people to live so that we can do our own thing. And when we turn away from God in rebellion, the Bible says that we're dead in our sin, and, and so we need to be resurrected. And so that's what it means to be saved, is the Spirit of God resurrects your heart so that you begin to long for Christ in ways that you never longed for Christ. This is eternally beneficial for your life, but, but it's also eternal work, right? If we're going to live our lives today, 
If you and I are going to actually follow Jesus today, then everything we do needs to be wired and revolve around the kingdom of God. It needs to be wired and revolve around the kingdom of God. But the work is also necessary. Look at, look at what Paul says in verse 22. He says, if I'm going to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, right? And then he says, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Basically what he's saying is I have, I have a choice. I could, I could live for Christ and I, I could die. Paul's in prison, so, so a lot of people who are in prison for their faith are waiting to be executed. They're actually waiting to die. And so Paul's like, I'm hard-pressed between the two. I don't, I don't know which one. If dying is gain, dying would actually be much better for me, he actually says in this passage, because imagine, he's sitting in jail. What would be better than sitting in jail? Well, well, sitting before the feet of Jesus in heaven would be way better than this in Paul's mind. It would be way better than anything I have to experience in this life. And so death is gain. I'm hard-pressed between the two. I don't know which one. And then he says, he, he kind of, he kind of, he's like arguing with himself. And then he says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ. That's better. Verse 24, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary. If I died and I ascended into heaven and I was with Jesus, that would be way better than what I'm doing right now. But he says, I, I need to remain here. It's necessary. Why is it necessary for Paul to stay alive? He says, on your account. Paul doesn't want to stay alive for himself. Paul wants to stay alive for the church. He wants to stay alive for God's people because he's committed to them. He's devoted to them. You see, Paul's life is necessary. Being, being dedicated to, to, to one another means living in such a way where it's necessary for us to be involved and engaged with the lives of people, not just in a relationship with people, right? Like we can be friends, you and I, and you can come over to my house and you can play video games or we can play sports or we can watch sports. And if you're a Chicago Bears fan, you're like already my friend. If you're not, we can get over that. But like we can, we can experience friendship around many things, right? A lot of people experience friendship around things they have in common, right? Like whether it's like sports or like music or art or um, video games or like there's many things that we have in common that we can be friends and it'll influence and help our friendship. But Paul is, he's going for something much deeper than this worldly idea of friendship. He's, he's saying in verse 25, I've, I'm convinced, I'm convinced that I need to stay alive for your benefit. What does that mean? I know that I will remain. I know that I'll stay alive, he says, and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. You see, Paul is so convinced that it's necessary to be involved in the lives of other people. But Paul's not going to find friendship in, in, in sports. He's not going to find friendship in art. He's not going to find friendship in these common interests that we all share. Paul's, the root of his desire to be friends with people is, is to see them make progress in their faith and experience joy in Jesus. That's why Paul's friends with people. That's why Paul's involved with this church. That's why Paul's writing this letter in prison even though he's suffering, he wants to see other people move, move forward in their relationship with Jesus, grow closer to Jesus. And because of that, staying alive is worth it to him. And he's going to use every moment of his life to help other people move forward to this goal. You see, Paul's got necessary focus I'm focused on this friendship. I'm focused on this friendship for the purposes of seeing you move toward this goal, which is to grow in your faith, to grow in your love for Jesus, to grow in your joy for the gospel. For Paul, he saw a dedication to others that made it necessary for him to stay alive. 
dying would have been better for Paul in this terrible situation where he's suffering. But even though it would have been better for Paul to stay alive, his focus was on other people, and he, he decided that it would be better rather than, than die to stay alive so that he could see churches grow in the faith because that's what Paul was about. What's the goal of your friendships with people? What's the point? Have you ever thought about that? Like, we, we do friendship often, right? We, we, we're involved in friendship. We know people in school. We, we have friends in our lives. We have family members, um, some of which we are for actually friends with, right? Like, some of you are friends with your family members. I would encourage that. It's always helpful to be friends with a brother or a sister and, and not, like, hate them. Um, my, bro- my brother and I did not have that friendship. We didn't like each other very much until he moved away for coll- from coll- or moved away to college, and then I actually started to miss him and was like, oh, that guy's pretty cool. Um, and then we became friends. Um, what's the point? What's the goal of your friendships? What's the co- goal of your investment in the lives of other people? Why, do you, why are you friends with people? Is it, is, it, is it to be liked? Is that your goal? Maybe, maybe you, you want to be friends with certain people because you, you want to be cool. Maybe you just want this kind of group of people to like you, and so you start doing things that you normally wouldn't do to, to, to earn their, 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 their friendship or their favor with you. Maybe, you have, maybe the goal of your friendships is to just like have fun, right, and enjoy one another's company, which is good. Like You can do that. It's not bad. It's not, it's not evil to want to have fun. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is what's the goal? What's the purpose? What's the deep-rooted idea that your friendship is revolving around, or at least your per- participation in that friendship is revolved around? You see, because everything changes when our dedication to others becomes about Jesus and not about ourselves. Because when our dedication to other people becomes about Jesus, we, we begin to serve other people in the same way that Jesus served people. We begin to love people in the same way that Jesus loved people. We begin to care for people in the same way that Jesus cared for people. I was reading um, a book. I highly recommended it. Recommended. I finished it today. If you like reading, there's a book called Crazy Love. It's by Francis Chan. It's awesome. I love Franny Chan. He's a good guy. Um, but Franny, Franny writes... Um, a chapter toward the end of his book where he, he talks about this idea of what it means to live a life that's like just completely sold out for Jesus, right? Like being one of those crazy people in the church, right? Who just, it seems like everything they want to talk about is just about Jesus and about the faith. Like they, they seem to be these people who like never stop praying or never stop growing in their faith. These people are just relentlessly pursuing Christ over and over and over. And, and uh, Francis asks this question at the end of the book. He kind of goes through some passages in the scriptures to kind of detail what this looks like. And then he writes this chapter toward the end of his, of his book, and he's like, man, does anybody actually live this way? Right? Like, all of these verses in the Bible are calling us to, like, radical faith in Jesus, right? To live as Christ, to die as gain. Like, how many of us, like, let's be honest, how many of us, is, is that actually our attitude? That, man, if I'm going to live, I'm going to live for, for Jesus. Every single thing about my life is going to be about Jesus. All of it. Like, how many, like, if we're honest, like, that's not how we are. If we're honest, we're, we're really like, man, if I'm going to live, I'm going to live for myself, and I'm going to try to get the most out of this day as I can for my benefit. And I'm going to have as much fun as possible, and I'm going to relax, and I'm going to chill, and I'm going to kick my feet up because, you know what, I deserve this. That's typically our approach to our day, right? Or maybe it's like, 
Maybe you're like, man, I need to work really hard because I need to get to this next thing. And, and if you're in middle school, you have your eyes set on high school. And if you're in high school, you have your eyes set on college. And you're like, man, I, I just really need to get to the next step. And so I need to work really hard. And I need to do really well because I want people to be proud of me. And that's your goal. And that's your focus is getting to the next thing and doing really well at the next thing. But you exhaust yourself and kill yourself to get there. And Paul says, it's, it's not about me, because if I'm going to live, it's, it's to Christ. It's for Christ. But all of our, my relationships with people, they're, they're, they're focused on this goal, but then that goal has another layer to it. Look at verse 26. I, I love this. He, he talks about all of his, his, his desire to be devoted to these people, but then he gives them a reason why. Why is it important for Paul to be devoted to these people? Why does Paul want to see these people progress in their faith? Why does Paul want to see these people move forward in their relationship with Jesus? And why is he willing to spend his entire life doing that? All of his time doing that. All of his energy doing that. Verse 26, so that in me, in my relationship with you, you may have ample cause, abundant reason, that's what he's saying, to glory in Christ Jesus. Jesus, because of my coming to you again. Paul's saying, if I make it back to you, which I'm coming, I'm coming back. I'm going I'm to get out of this circumstance in prison. I'm going to come back to you. And I want to do this. I want to I I I have fruitful, beneficial time seeing you progress in the faith, seeing you make, grow in your joy in the faith. I, I want to do this because I want you to glory in Christ. And basically what he's saying I want you to have abundant reason to brag about the work that Jesus is doing in your life. Abundant, overflowing, never-ending reason to brag about Christ. Not yourself, not what, not, not what you're doing, not, not, not you, but what Jesus is doing in you and through you. You see, everything about Paul's vision of friendships is turning his eyes to the Lord. Everything. It's all about Jesus. To live is Christ. To die is gain. And that requires something, right? Paul wants to be there. He's got to be present, right? He, he's got to be near these people. You can't just like, I know like Facebook and Instagram and, and Snapchat and all the ways that we have like to communicate with one another, right? We can communicate. You, you and I can communicate and never actually like see one another. And we can learn a lot about each other that way. But there's something about being physically together that just makes a friendship blossom, right? There's something about spending actual physical time with one another and having good conversations over good things that makes your friendship just increase and be that much better. You can't get that through the internet. Paul's saying, I want to be with you. So I gotta be, I gotta be present, and that presence needs to be focused on glorifying Jesus, making, making us as friends glory in Jesus, boast in Jesus, brag on Jesus because of what He's doing in this relationship. But then also being consistent. What friend is not consistent? Not a very good one, right? So like, if we're gonna be dedicated to each other, we need to be present with other people, but we also need to be consistent. What does it communicate about Jesus when you're like, man, I want to be friends with you and I want to see you progress in the faith and I want to see you grow in your, in your love for Jesus and in your relationship with Jesus, but we're not going to hang out very much. No, no, no. This, this, this takes 
time, right? It takes energy. That's why it's best for all of you when you think about, man, who am I going to do this with? Who am I going to, who am I going to focus on in such a way that I want to see them make progress in their faith? Start with the people closest to you. Maybe they're like literally right next to you right now. But start with the people closest to you, the people you already know, the people you're already close with, the people you're already spending time with. You don't have to create a new section of your life to have like Jesus friendships. That's not what this is about. This is taking all of your friendships, all of your relationships that you currently have, the people that you're already close with, and saying every time you go to hang out, like, man, how can I use this time to help my friend make progress in their faith? Or you're having a conversation, like, man, where's my way in to this conversation to, to turn toward Jesus? Or just ask him a question about Jesus. And I, and I know that that can get awkward, and I know that it can be scary sometimes. But here's the, here's the deal. If you're genuinely experiencing something, and you think it's awesome, like awesome, right? Like, um, I love the, I love the uh, Marvel movies. I really do. I kind of geek out over them. I think they're pretty great. Um, but, uh, and my wife watches them with me, which is amazing. Like, man, if you're, if, you, if, if any of you get married in here and you like Marvel movies, your spouse like needs to like Marvel movies. It needs to be high up on your list of things to like check off to make sure somebody's all right. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, Sarah loves, she loves Marvel movies. She actually, like the first time we watched one, she was like, ah, I don't know if I like this. I don't really like action movies or whatever. And then like we watch it and she was like, all right, that was pretty, I can track with this. Then we watched more of them, and she was like, man, these are great movies. They're really, really good movies. They do a good job with them, but man, love Marvel movies. I could talk about Marvel movies for a while. Why? Because I think they're awesome, right? I get excited about them. Maybe you don't want to talk about Jesus because you haven't actually experienced how awesome he is. You've just experienced him like in church like this or... Um, maybe through a, a parent, which can be awesome, but you yourself haven't actually enjoyed your, 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 your exposure to the gospel, the fact that you've been exposed to Jesus. You haven't really enjoyed that. And so because you, you, maybe, maybe you don't want to talk about him because that's not a source of joy in your life, right? The Avengers, Infinity War came out. Half of the people die. I'm sorry, I ruined it for you. Half the people die. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. This is what? What's going to happen? Da, 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 da. And I'm like all juiced up about it. Like it gave me joy to watch this story unfold. And it gives me joy. Like I'm like waiting for the rest of the, 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 the thing to happen. And so I talk about it. So maybe you don't talk about Christ in your friendships because Christ isn't actually something that you enjoy. And so I just, I want to encourage you to like wrestle with that yourself. Like, man, do I, do I genuinely enjoy Jesus? Is Jesus somebody who, who I, I, I actually love with all my heart and soul, with everything in me? Do I, do I love the Lord? And maybe some of those answers to those questions will become more clear to you. Here's the best version of life that God has called you to is one spent in selfless dedication to others so they can experience Jesus. We selflessly dedicate ourselves to people so they can experience Christ himself at work. 
This is the purpose of friendship. This is the purpose of what it means to be dedicated to others. Let's pray. Lord, um, thank you for uh, the opportunity to wrestle with friendship. God, as we go from here, um, give us insight into how you want to use the relationships that we have with people um, so that those people can, can make progress and grow in their joy. God, that, their, uh, that our relationships in here with other people would be used to point to you. God, that we would be um, selflessly dedicated to others. God, I pray for people in here who are considering joining a small group. I pray that you would um, encourage them to get involved with that. But even more so, Lord, we pray for those small groups, that as they get going here in a couple weeks, that, um, that you would just use those to stir up people's love for you. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.